greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Hogan Era Podcast. This is a JP, a jump pause, part of the two-man power trip of wrestling on the TMPT Empire. Here each and every week on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking about the greatest time ever in the history of the business, the golden era of wrestling, 1984 to 1993, known affectionately as the Hogan Era, the era that made Vince McMahon a retired billionaire. Here each and every week on the show, we're talking about the greatest matches, moments, and feuds in the Hogan era, of course, involving the immortal Hulk Hogan. 
when you look at what we've talked about so far, man, it's it's a giant scope of what we looked at. We talked about Rowdy Roddy Piper, Macho Man Randy Savage. You recently interviewed Travis Orndorff, the son of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And we went very in-depth into that feud and even personal life between Orndorff and the Hulkster. We've talked about Kamala, Earthquake, One Man Gang, a.k.a. Akeem, the Big Boss Man, Bad News Brown, Harley Race, Terry Funk. I mean, man. This is episode number 62, so we've talked about 61 other great feuds that Hogan had in this era. Can anybody else even come close to that? I highly, highly doubt it. There's nobody having this many great feuds, this many great moments, epic matches, just things that that you're just not going to find from other wrestlers, and that's why Hulk Hogan is a god. That's why he's the Babe Ruth of wrestling, and that's why we're doing this show here each and every week. When you really look at it, what is the bottom line, though? I mean, is it great matches? Is it, you know, putting butts in seats? What is it? To me, it's putting butts in seats, and, and the great matches can kind of come with it. And obviously, the crowd reaction is a huge part of why so many Hogan matches are great. But if you really look at it in, in the grand scheme of things, putting ass in seats and making money, and that's what Hogan does better than anybody else. I was just talking to a wrestling historian yesterday, actually. We were talking about you know, who's making the most money. It's funny. Sometimes you talk to guys and you're like, I wonder if they'll admit, you know, the power of Hulk Mania, the power of Hogan. So I'm just like, who's the greatest draw of all time. And, and we were to kind of going back and forth talking about a bunch of guys. And he said, well, obviously this it's two guys and that's it. So I'm thinking to myself, is he going to say Hogan and Austin? I mean, who's he going to say here, but he was a historian. So he knows obviously a lot deeper into the business than just kind of on the surface. And obviously my day or my, my era, if you will, I'm 40 years old. So it's like you're thinking Hogan, Austin, like those are the two big draws, obviously. But he was saying, you know, you got to go old school and you got to talk about Jim Londos. And if you look up Jim Londos, he had about uh, almost 2000 day reign as the NWA champion. This is kind of before really the NWA champion would really get recognized with Orville Brown and, and Luthez and those guys. This is before that, before that era. So talking about old school, true blue nwa here with with jim londos and he man he sold out buildings all over the place dave Meltzer just posted a picture of him selling out some gigantic fifty thousand seat arena in greece in the 1930s something so i mean just nuts when you look at it and he then the historian told me he's like well jim londos and hogan are, are the two biggest longevity the draw the, the amount of people the money made um Dave was is the hulkster and jim Londos. so i mean that, that's that's a pretty high price especially if you know your wrestling history know your stuff um, definitely take a chance and look it up and look at some of the, the great feuds and, and moments and big time matches that Jim Londo's had. So I'm always fascinated when you look at wrestling history and, and kind of be able to figure out the bottom line. It's a business. I mean, you, you want to figure out who's making the most money, who's, the, who's the big draws, who's, who's the big dogs and Londo's and Hogan were mentioned, obviously Hogan, just a huge draw. But when you just look outside of, of to the grand scheme and the giant draws of the Hulkster, there's some other guys that you look at. We talked about it with Antonio Noki. We talked about it with Tatsumi Fujinami. We obviously talked about it with the Road Warriors. Talked about it with Stan Hansen. And these guys drawing so much in Japan. Road Warriors, obviously, in the States as well. NWA, AWA, WWF, etc. But if you look at the grand scheme of things and you look at the, the big scope, there is big draws all over the globe. And today we're going to focus on one of those big draws down in Mexico, El Kanek who had a brief feud with the immortal Hulk Hogan. And really, 
one huge world title match during the Hogan era, right in the beginning of it in 1984 in Mexico. And we'll get to that in, in a second here. But El Kanek, one of the all-time greats, huge legend. I feel like a lot of people would remember him from his run in AAA, but that was kind of really towards the end of his career, 1996 to really 03 or so, made a brief return in 2013. Even CMLL, 91 to 94, and then 2004 to 2006 when he had runs there. Great, obviously, legend. But it wasn't really his true run. His real run when he made his debut was all the way back in basically you know the early 1970s. Started out in 1972, wrestled for about three years in EMLL, and then he made his real huge name in the UWA 1975 to 1990, 1975 to 1995. Um, I think that when you really look at, at his you know at his life and his career, it's like man, his run was was so big in Mexico that I think a lot of people, you know, nowadays may be older or they, they forgot it or they ignore it or they don't look at it. But, man, his run in Mexico was legendary beyond belief. I mean, what a, what a career, uh, what a trailblazer, what, what a legend El Canec was. And, of course, I just love it when you have this gigantic guy from Mexico or, or a gigantic star from Japan or whatever, and they meet the big star in the U.S. They meet the immortal Hulk Hogan. They fight him, so we'll get to that match. But I just love it. Like, Anoki had a little feud with Hogan. Kanek has a feud with Hogan. Stan Hansen, I know he's a gaijin, but he was really made his, a, name, a name for himself in Japan. He had his little feud with Hogan. So very cool that, that you, you you see these promoters working together and getting together like, man, we can make a ton of money off this. You're big star there he's a big star here why don't we go out and and just make a shit ton of money together and and that's what they're going to do but when you look at connect obviously i think a lot of people know off the bat legendary luchador he's got the great mask he was really known in, in like i said in uwa for that 20 years he held the uwa heavyweight championship 15 times 15 time champion Obviously, the heavyweight champion in Lucha Libre wasn't always the biggest attraction, as, as a lot of the smaller guys, and as we know with Rey Mysterio and a ton of guys throughout the years, the smaller guy sometimes would be a big draw. But here he's really you know, the major heavyweight, and he was the Lucha Libre big attraction during the 80s, having the real high-profile matches against all the non-Mexican guys. So basically, you know, you'll have him c come in, and he'll wrestle, and it'll be like, okay, who is the foreigner that he's going to wrestle? Who is the foreigner we're going to bring in? And that really was a 10-year run that they would do that with Kinect, and he'd wrestle the, the big name and the foreigner from, from wherever, United States, wherever, and he'd have that run there, and that would be a huge draw for them because whether it be Japanese guys, um, American guys, European guys, wherever, they'd come in as the foreigner, and they'd fight their homegrown guy in Mexico, their guy, their boy, El Kinect. So, when you look at it and you look at Lucha Libre, obviously it's ingrained in the culture. Not only is it, you know, mainstream there, I mean, it's in the culture. The general audience knows who they are. The mainstream knows who they are. The magazines cover it. The newspapers cover it. They do not publish any photos of the faces. So the El Connect and his real name will really not be known and they're not going to post it as much. Um, and the, the funny thing is, really, when that happens, it's like, man, they really treat it as as it's a very serious business here where you don't know who the guy is. You don't reveal who he is. You keep him under the mask. So very, very cool. And I know in 2001, he does have an MMA fight. So, I mean, obviously talking about well deep away from from, uh, you know, his his run in, in japan i mean his run in mexico as being a legend i mean we're talking 25 years later here but he fought for the deep promotion in, in 
2001. He actually gets to win by TKO. So he's a tough guy, too. Uh, he beat Asuma Kawahara. So really a, a, a nice little win there in, in the real shoot ranks as he fought for deep and got the win there. Obviously, Felipe Estrada, they call them. So that's an instance where Japan, obviously fighting in Tokyo for that fight, yeah, they'll use his real name. But uh, as far as sometimes in Mexico, not really, because Alberto Del Rio fought as Dos Caras Jr. over there when he fought and lost to Miracle Crow Cup. So it's just an interesting kind of thing to look at. It's like, okay, that would never happen in Mexico. In Japan, yeah, maybe they might reveal who the guy is or say his real name under the mask. Even in the newspapers, even, you know, for shoot in Mexico, they would not really reveal who the guy is unless he was unmasked. And really, I mean, they took it as quite a, an honor and pretty damn legendary to be able to do that. But as far as like his, his career and him wrestling with the WWF, let's start it out. It started out in 1979. It would be for new Japan pro wrestling, but it was a part of the second annual Madison square garden series, a part of the deal with Vince senior and new Japan. They would basically have the name attached to something over there, like a, a promotion or an event or a show or the junior heavyweight championship, which was often fen defended in the Japan ranks in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So when you look at it, it's Tatsumi Fujinami, who's the WWF Junior Heavyweight Champion, which we talked about last week. He fights Connect to a time limit draw, and that's again on 5-30-79. Like another match on 5-30-79 between those two ended in a double countout with Fujinami and Connect. The match went about 20 minutes or so after the five-minute draw happened. Um, I mean, uh, before the five-minute draw happens. So they do double count out. They fight again, give an extra five minutes. Boom. It goes to a draw, and, and there's no winner on that one. So Tatsumi Fujinami, the legend from Japan, fighting the legend from Mexico as he travels to Japan for that fight. 1979, again, Fujinami ends up defeating Kanek in the rematch in about 17 minutes in Tokyo. That was on 6 7 89. We go to 1991. There was a WWF New Japan Big Fight Series over in Tokyo, Japan. Dynamite Kid and El Kanek defeated George Takano and Kimura in about nine minutes. As we kind of just continue on, they would have a best two out of three falls match. Anoki, Hoshino, and Fujinami defeated Kanek, Dynamite Kid, and Ken Patera, two falls to one in about 15 minutes. There's another match. For 1181, Bob Backlund, Connect, and Rick McGraw defeated Anoki, Kimura, and Tetsumi Fujinami. Two falls to one. For 1281, Anoki, Kido, and Fujinami defeated Connect, Dynamite Kid, and Kipatera. Two falls to one, 17 minutes. There's another match that is happening on 41481. Anoki, Choshu, and Suguchi defeated Connect, Patera, and Rick McGraw in 19 minutes, two falls to one. So there's a bunch of matches and a bunch of things going on as far as the connection with WBF and New Japan Pro Wrestling, but also you have the, the legendary wrestlers from UWA coming in and out and wrestling for J New Japan Pro Wrestling alongside the WWF. So part of that deal happens in 81, 82481. El Kanek travels to Madison Square Garden where he'll defeat Jose Estrada in about 14 minutes, 30 seconds. MSG, New York City. On that one, Kanek goes back to Japan again. He fights for the international heavyweight title this time on 7-5, 1984. And he'll be losing there to Tatsumi Fujinami in about 10 minutes and 45 seconds in Osaka, Japan. So then we kind of get to really what I wanted to, to mention, and that is the big Hogan-Elkanak match that happens in 84. But right before there, just want to mention the brief history that Hogan and Kanak had. And that would obviously happen mostly 
before that fight in Mexico would happen mostly in Japan. So 625-1982, Andre the Giant and El Kanek versus Hulk Hogan and Antonio Noki goes to a double countout in about 10 minutes. They'll have a best two out of three falls match. Anoki, Hogan, and Fujinami defeated Murdoch, El Kanek, and Scott McGee. Two falls to nothing, 14 minutes and 30 seconds there. They'll have a match on seven 7, 1982, best two out of three falls. Anoki Hogan and Yatsu defeated Andre the Giant, El Kanek, and Scott McGee. Two falls to one in about 13 minutes. Hogan, Fujinami, and Anoki defeated Andre, Murdoch, and Kanek. Two falls to zero. Then in 1982, which we've talked about before, Anoki and Hogan are teaming up together in the Tag League. Hogan and Anoki would defeat Kanek and Paraguayo. There would be a match Hogan and Anoki Fujinami defeating Max Superstar, Dick Murdoch, and Connect. Then there's a tag match with Hogan and Tetsumi Fujinami defeating Kanek and Murdoch in about 15 minutes. Then a part of the IWG League tournament in 1993, 1983, which is won by the Immortal Hulk Hogan. Here's a match there, part of the tournament. 5 11 1983, Hulk Hogan defeated El Kanek. In Fushikima, Japan. Then Hogan and Connect teamed together and defeated Gundam, Ishin Gundam, if you will, the tag team of Ricky Choshu and Killer Khan. That was by DQ. 5 14, 1983, Anoki and Hogan defeated El Connect and Andre the Giant. Match goes nine minutes. Anoki and Hogan again defeated Andre the Giant and Connect. And then finally, Anoki, Hogan, and Kimura defeated Andre the Giant, Big John Stud, and El Connect. Best two out of three falls match in. UWA in Mexico, Grant Hamada and Hulk Hogan defeated El Kanek and Paraguayo by DQ. That was on 7-31-1983. And here it is, the match we've all been waiting for, the big one. The WBF World Heavyweight Championship match, El Torrio de Cuatro Caminos in Mexico City. It's going to be El Kanek versus Hulk Hogan, best two out of three falls match. The match goes 21 minutes, and it is ruled a draw. They go one for El Connect, one for Hogan, and the third fall goes to a draw. So there is no winner. They tie one-one in this big-time matchup in Mexico City, Mexico, as Vince McMahon lent out the Mortal Hulk Hogan to UWA, a part of their agreement with them and their deal. Before you know, Vince was basically like, "Screw everybody," and I'm just going to, you know run by myself, and I don't need Anoki, and I don't need UWA anymore. But it's just interesting to note that that relationship was there in 1984, right in the thick of things, right in the beginning of the Hogan era. And Hogan and Connect go to a draw in 21 minutes. Mexico City, Mexico, one-to-one, and the third fall ends in a draw. So really interesting stuff there. Very intriguing as far as that feud there with Hogan and El Connect. They had a bunch of matches together. Like I mentioned, a lot of tagged, even teamed together. But they had a bunch of tag matches, a bunch of six-mans, and obviously that one well, really, in Japan, they had that match in Hogan one, but the one major match during the Hogan era feud, when you look at it, it's like, wow, damn, he was in Mexico while he's the WWF champion defending the WWF title in the UWA. So that is a huge, huge deal as far as Mexico is concerned. And obviously, they know what a big deal it was that the big guy from the United States, the WWF champion at the time, goes down and defends his title in Mexico against their hero, against El Connect. So Great stuff as far as that is concerned. The last time Fujin, excuse me, uh, Kinect would have a match for the WBF would be well later on into 1997. So he had a bunch of matches, a part of a WBF and New Japan IWGP championship 
series. And really, if you look at it, WWF sent over a bunch of guys and and they would use some WWF guys, obviously, during that tour because it was before the October 31st Vince McMahon cut them off deadline there. But Kanak had a ton of matches in this series, about 15 or so, all tag matches and some one-on-one matches against the Cobra, who was George Chicano. He'd team up with Iron Mike Sharp a little bit, um, but really he'd get a, a ton of victories. The last one, 631-85 Connect, and Sato defeated Tanaka and the and the uh, excuse me Takano and the Cobra via the, and it was actually that match went to a double countout, went 11 minutes so connect 631 85 was the last match for the wbf during the hogan era post hogan era everybody remember this one the 1997 royal rumble a part of the triple a agreement with the wbf to help sell out the alamo dome in san antonio texas obviously that mat that show was headlined by a royal rumble won by stone cold steve austin with some chicanery and the main event Shawn michaels defeating psycho sid in Shawn michaels hometown retaining the wbf world title of course a lot of the triple a guys were involved in the royal rumble itself but there's a six-man match connect hector garza and Pero aguayo defeated fuerza guerrera heavy metal and jerry estrada in 11 minutes so that's his last match for the WBF, and obviously, like I mentioned, his last match, technically speaking, aligned with the WBF, was held in New Japan in Aachi, Japan in 1985. And then, of course, like I mentioned, the great match with Hogan in the UWA down in Mexico, where he got a shot at the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. So let's head towards the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at two man power trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Check out T public, tpublic.com slash store slash tmpt for the Hogan era shirt. You could also go to pro wrestling tees, pro wrestling and pick up a two man power trip of a wrestling shirt over there as well. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll see you right here next week for a little hogan era podcast we'll see you next week folks this has been a john paz power trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling you could follow us on instagram and twitter at two-man power trip you could check us out on facebook you could subscribe on youtube you can go to patreon.com slash tmpt empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmpt empire.com and buy a shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. Bien, amigos, pues después de las emociones de estas dos caídas, viene... Viene, viene la, la lucha estelar. Bueno, pues ya, ya observaron ustedes a quienes vamos a tener del bando de los rudos la presentación de un Black Scorpio, la reaparición de Coquina y de Buffalo Allen. Bueno, frente a Canek, André el Gigante, que es la última presentación que tiene, por lo menos creo que este año, al lado del villano tercero, hacen una tercia. Que amigos, lógico es que André el Gigante no tiene la agilidad de otros tiempos, pero siempre es un atractivo. Le han traído a esta primer caída que ya está iniciándose a un Coquina, a un Búfalo Allen, que haciendo una tercia increíble con eh, pues este Black, Black Scorpio. Pues la, la verdad es que vienen con deseos de ganarle o de dejarlo, por lo menos en su última presentación en la lona. Difícil que el gigante André 
pueda perder. No es la manera tan fácil de entrar. Es pesadamente lógico, pero con ese peso, más de 200 kilos, a cualquiera le duele. Vean ustedes a Buffalo Allen. Dice yo, no sé para qué me contrataron para este combate, porque esperamos pues que no se arrepientan. Coquina, que bastante pesa también. Ya se está viendo mal, no sé si con un piquete de ojos como ahora se lo está haciendo Andrés Gigante, que por cierto en sus mocedades pues conservaba una, pues más de 200 kilos también, pero muy estéticos. Y bien amigos, este relevo australiano, seguramente ustedes lo notarán un poco lento, porque ven ustedes el peso de Coquina, el peso de Andrés Gigante, pues son suficientes como para hacer temblar este ring de la arena de Zahualcóyotl y que nos pueda llevar, pues no a una lucha precisamente ni volátil, ni tampoco demasiado técnica. Y además también decirle un poco al público que antes de que pues usted apreciara en su televisor lo que está sucediendo, ahí en los pasillos se eh, calentaron los ánimos con los luchadores que iban saliendo, con los rudos, con Killer, con Fishman, por ahí al villano usted le notará que trae la máscara un poco ya zafada, así de que pues eh, hubo antes algo, antes de que empezara la lucha estelar, hubo ya también ahí en el pasillo, en el vestidor, algo más serio, y bueno, pues el interés, por supuesto, de ver a André Gigante, este luchador francés, que está cerrando su ciclo de presentaciones en nuestro país, y que aquí aparece en ese recuadro, en esta tarjeta postal para todos los seguidores a la lucha libre de categoría, y recordar, bueno, pues, ya que el programa es dedicado a René El Copetes Guajardo, que fue uno de los luchadores que inició precisamente el movimiento de los independientes, ahora que tantas cosas están sucediendo en el mundo de la lucha libre, pues el cartel de los independientes, pasan los años, sigue teniendo luchadores de categoría, sigue trayendo luchadores importantes, y bueno, sigue siendo hoy por hoy una de las empresas, yo diría, la más importante de nuestro país. Tienes razón, Alfredo, y sobre todo, amigos, que ya hay por ahí algunos planes del señor Carlos Maynes de traer nada menos que a Hulk Hogan, o sea, grandes luchadores de los Estados Unidos para que ustedes tengan pues, la mejor programación, el mejor espectáculo cuando la tercia de los norteamericanos, eh, Buffalo Allen, Coquina y, y este Black Scorpio tratan de acabar por, por lo pronto a Kanek, que no se ve pequeño, pero que sí se ve pues, realmente un poco, eh, pues eh, tiene dificultades para dominar las acciones, ya que pues eh, la lentitud de, de André Gigante pues, va a ser difícil eh, vamos, para ser neutralizada, porque yo creo que esa es la desventaja que podrían tener. Ahora bien, André Gigante, que precisamente ahí Búfalo Allen se encara con una señora de primer, primera fila, cuidado Búfalo Allen, porque hay mucha gente en esta arena y le vaya a ir mal. Ahora bien, el nombre de, de este André Gigante, si ustedes no lo saben amigos, es Jean Ferré, o sea Jean Ferré, pues como, que, como sea, que les decía en sus mocedades, al lado de luchadores... Pues no luchador, fue un boxeador y luego luchador como Primo Carnera. Eran los gigantones de esa época y ha quedado finalmente este André Gigante que todavía sigue derramando su gloria. Mientras estamos viendo precisamente a este pues, eh, Black Scorpio llevar allá a la esquina para lastimar al villano tercero que como decía Alfredo, algo por ahí tuvo un piquecito con Fishman de tantos años que tiene luchando y eso descontrola a cualquier equipo. Vamos a ver si André el Gigante, sobre todo Cané eh, que está muy entero y que pues es bastante pesado y tiene muchas habilidades, logran dominar al final de, de todo esto a una tercia de norteamericanos que se ven difíciles. Bueno y aquí observar también en detalle a Black Scorpio con un físico también muy bien configurado, con muchas horas de trabajo y bueno pues para estar en un cartel de primera como en esta ocasión pues seguramente algo tendrá que enseñarnos este Black Scorpio, ahora el que vemos es al Buffalo Allen, 
una tripleta pues muy interesante, con mucho peso, con mucha categoría también, y por supuesto, pues los técnicos ahora tendrán que pagar pues todo, toda la aduana que significa pasar por encima de estos tres tremendos luchadores. Y sí, Alfredo, y amigos, ustedes dirán, bueno, ¿por qué se llena la arena de Zahualcoy con este tipo de programas? Pues la verdad yo creo que se quedó gente afuera porque ver a este tipo de luchadores profesionales, Andrés Gigante ya lo han visto, pero ver a Búfalo Allen, a Coquina juntos, y por supuesto a la gran categoría de luchadores, pues sumamente importantes como es Villano Tresiro y Canek, nos dice mucho, pero mucho, de... De, de lo que es y lo que significa un programa como este. Regresamos en un momento, amigos, no se vayan, esto no se ha acabado. Que tomaran un respiro por ahí, un corte comercial muy breve, pero esta primer caída ha sido muy agotadora, por lo que les decíamos al principio, en donde hubo algo ahí en los pasillos. Y ahora Canek, este príncipe maya, este legendario brujo de ahí de tierras tabasqueñas, empieza a apagar seriamente un poco ahí la condición de ser técnico frente a Coquina. Hay mucha gente que no se acostumbra a ver a Canek del lado del bando de los técnicos y aquí ustedes lo observan pues sacando esto y más, patadas voladoras sobre Coquina. Y bueno, Canek lo quisiéramos ver frente a un Black Scorpio del que se dicen cosas muy interesantes. Aquí está, vamos a ver a Canek en este doble... En esta doble maniobra con golpe de antebrazo y después las patadas voladoras. Patadas voladoras, amigos. La verdad es que aquí los golpes, aquí eh, la manera como están luchando esos seis gladiadores, si bien no es muy técnica en cuanto a lo que es el movimiento, la verdad que los golpes duelen y duelen en serio. Es un tipo de lucha como cuando nosotros llegamos a ver un enfrentamiento de box con pesos completos. Es lento, pero también es muy efectiva. Y es dolorosa y además... La verdad, vean ustedes este, pues es un martillo lo alto clásico de Canek y vean con qué facilidad lanza por allá a Black Scorpio. Y amigos, la verdad es que hay que conocer más profundamente las habilidades de un Canek que cada día nos demuestra su solidez, su consolidación en la historia de la lucha libre mexicana. Andrés Gigante, vean ustedes la, pues tan gigante que se ve frente a un Black Scorpio que como decía Alfredo se ve es poderoso, este luchador muy bien formado, moreno él, pero vean ustedes... Es una manera de lastimar clásica de, de André Gigante, de Jean Ferré, a base de unos tirantes, de cabezazos a la espalda, que la verdad le ha de doler, a pesar de que está muy bien empacado este Black Scorpio, duelen en serio, porque son golpes como si usted les pegara a alguien con un bat o con una piedra, habilidad de Black Scorpio para tirar unas pataditas, que no pataditas, patadones, porque le dolieron a este gigantón que ahora se está balanceando, doble cabezazo, Qué difícil es tirar a André el Gigante que solamente está groggy. Bueno, lo medio tumba, lo me... pues la verdad, Alfredo, ¿cómo tumbar a este André el Gigante? Bueno, pues aquí con una doble participación, un lanzamiento como ustedes observan sobre Coquina y creo que el que pues también salió averiado seriamente fue el hawaiano, el Coquina. André el Gigante por fin queda ahí amarrado entre las cuerdas y esto lo pueden aprovechar precisamente el bando de los de los eh, rudos ya lo están haciendo, ahí Canek llega a golpear a André el Gigante, Villano 3 la tiene muy difícil, André el Gigante está amarrado, no se puede levantar y sobre él también es proyectado el Villano número 3 una lucha, como tú decías estamos en la primera caída que ha sido un poco lenta con un ritmo semilento, pero es precisamente por las evoluciones y lo que no fue nada lento fue este tremendo golpe que se lleva el Villano número 3 casi quedó como estampilla y ahora vamos a ver en el vuelo a un Black Scorpio sensacional. ¡Lento! 
sólido y bueno, ustedes este mortal que por primera vez vemos en esta lucha, vean el mortal que se lanza Black Scorpio, vean nada más qué manera extraordinaria y fabulosa de terminar con un villano tercero que estaba ya casi aniquilado, Gambrel Gigante quedó ahí prensado, pocos como él y ahora Canek recibe lo suyo, esta primera caída es para los rudos, amigos, qué tremendo ha sido para estos técnicos, y este es el golpe tan extraordinariamente pesado, demoledor, y nada más, hermosamente demoledor, diríamos, luego este mortal sensacional de Black Scorpio, que nos dice mucho de sus habilidades, y amigos, la verdad es que estamos viendo una lucha, si bien no tan movida, llena, pero llena de calidad dentro de las condiciones que los luchadores permiten hacer de este evento. Una contienda, la verdad, de mucha calidad por muchos aspectos y por muchos de los ángulos que se pueda ver. Inclusive Buffalo Allen se está viendo lento. Ya estamos aquí, amigos, en la segunda caída. Por supuesto, no interrumpimos pues, la continuidad cuando estamos viendo la diferencia fotográfica de un gigante, que este sí verdaderamente es gigante, y un Buffalo Allen que está recibiendo golpes y apretones y estrangulamientos con el peso de 200 kilos y esto pues realmente resulta aniquilante bueno pues aniquilante y súper efectivo vean cómo está ahí el bucles con la boca abierta porque pues no hay otra manera de contemplar estos tremendos golpes de parte de Andrés Gigante que ahora lo vemos ya un poco más aclimatado podríamos decir equivocación de Black Scorpio y esto lo aprovecha precisamente el francés eh, André el Gigante para tratar de sacarles un poco el aire, Coquina, quítese señor, porque si no, pues ahí podía venir eh, la participación, el relevo, lo aprovecha muy bien André el Gigante, y bueno, pues todo esto que valga para que los, eh, los limpios, en este caso Canek, que ahora hace un espléndido martillo, proyecte a Black Scorpio sobre el Coquina, y después, una, dos, tres, está fuera ya el bando de los rudos, Ahora un medio martinete muy al estilo del villano sobre eh, el Buffalo Allen y pues ya la lucha en esta segunda caída acá atrás se nos ha ido como, como agüita. Pues como agua para chocolate, como hay por ahí una película, amigos. Esta primer, pues no primera, segunda caída, se nos fue rápido, es que la primera caída fue muy larga. Esta segunda caída reaccionaron afortunadamente los técnicos, el bando técnico. Y bueno, ¿quién, quién logra levantar el peso de André el Gigante? Precipitadamente nos despedíamos ya en la segunda caída de ustedes Estamos ya en esta tercera caída, disculpen cuando de pronto se nos aparece ya en cuadro El vámonos ya para hacer una pausa Por lo pronto estamos ya en esta tercera caída y definitiva de esta lucha estelar De este programa estelares en su programa favorito, los ídolos de hoy en la lucha libre Así es que amigos, disminuidos ostensiblemente, Buffalo Allen eh, pues realmente también ahí este Black Scorpio y por supuesto yo creo que amigos Coquina no quiere saber mucho del peso de este gigantón porque ya se ha disminuido bastante, Canex se puso muy vivo, Villano Tercero está buscando de todos los recovecos ahí de su inteligencia y de experiencia todas las posibilidades para poder triunfar. 
todavía no hay nada definido, esta es una tercera caída de, pues realmente que donde las ansias de triunfo por parte de los rudos es grande y sobre todo para llevarse un triunfo, un triunfo para ellos sería meritorio a nivel internacional sobre Andrés Gigante que es difícil de decir, vea la agilidad de, de Black Scorpio, mortal atrás, resorteo, bueno es un muchacho que tiene cualidades, ¿por qué debe ser un muchacho? porque la verdad está mostrando cualidades enormes, vean ustedes cómo pues maneja muy fácilmente a un villano tercero que tiene toda la experiencia del mundo, Alfredo. Bueno, pues ahí pagó un poco el villano tercero, creo que pues la confianza o el exceso de confianza. Ahora Canek es el que trata de recuperar un poco para el bando de los eh, limpios que está capitaneando precisamente el Príncipe Maya. Y con este candado, ah, cuidado porque apareció por ahí el Buffalo Allen en, en la asistencia, rompe el castigo. Y pues se le están viendo cosas muy interesantes, un luchador muy joven, pero con buenas hechuras este Black Scorpio que pues ya dejó fuera por ahí un ratito al villano número 3. Y dicho sea de paso, bueno, pues Canal 13, Sistema Universal de Video, los ídolos de hoy en la lucha libre, les está preparando grandes sorpresas, así que, pues quédese con nosotros, ya sabe, la cita es todos los sábados a las dos y media de la tarde, y así como hubo la sorpresa de André el Gigante, van a venir cosas muy, muy interesantes. Oh, sí, Alfredo y amigos, lo importante es que los cambios que se hagan en el Canal 13, y por supuesto, pues eh, nuestros jefes en Sistema Universal de Video, es para darles mayor calidad. Porque los cambios siempre deben ser para eso, para que ustedes puedan tener un programa de lucha libre, no solamente donde vean eh, lo que es eh, la lucha libre en sí, sino que tengan algunos otros motivos para quedarse con nosotros, claro, siempre dentro de un mundo de calidad. Ahora vamos a ver a André el Gigante, que pues quiere quitarle todas las barbas, o las pocas barbas que pueda tener Buffalo Allen, que la verdad, amigos, yo... Alfredo lo noto muy, muy desconcertado, como que le impactó la presencia de André el Gigante y no ha sabido cómo descifrar o cómo quitárselo de encima, mientras Coquina, la verdad que también ha resentido un poco, pues enfrentarse a este André el Gigante, que la verdad sea de paso, amigos, el estar enfrentándose a un hombre tan pesado, cada golpe, cada sentón, cada petón, duele en serio. Por supuesto que duele y si no, bueno, pues que le pregunten a alguno de los adversarios. Paul, Paul de Coquina y esto puede ser el final de la lucha, sí. Dice el bucles que es el final, se acaba la lucha por descalificación a favor del bando de André el Gigante de Canek y de Villano Tercero que está muy dolido. Todo esto ya es extra y bueno, pues una descalificación nada oportuna. Ahí en la repetición la lucha se decide y nosotros vamos a una pausa y volvemos. 